Hello and Yokoso. Coming to you from Bentonko in Kyoto, Japan. This is Thomas. And this is Julianne. And you're listening to Japanese Food, a podcast where we talk to chefs, food writers, creatives, and other international experts on Japanese food culture. For this episode, I got to speak with the chef Yuji Haraguchi, who owns multiple restaurants in Brooklyn, Tokyo, and Kyoto, all focused on fish. All right, let's dive in. Today on the Japanese Food Podcast, we're so happy to be joined by Yuji Haraguchi. Yuji Haraguchi is the founder and owner of Okonomi Yuji Ramen, as well as Osakana Brooklyn and Osakana East Village in New York City. Originally working at a Japanese wholesale fish company, Yuji built his companies from scratch with the goal of educating people about Japanese food, culture, and trends. He's a big proponent of the Motainai philosophy, a Japanese concept. About being mindful about waste. Hi. So, thank you so much for joining us today, Yuji. I'm sure you have an extremely busy schedule with all the businesses that you run. So, we're honored you can take the time to speak with us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me.、Um, so, let's begin with a warm up question.、Mm-hmm. Since you are a fish expert and ambassador of fish in America.、Mm-hmm. So, what is your favorite fish and why? So,、um, that's, that's a tough question because I have a lot of seafood that I love. But、uh, if I have to pick one fish, that would be、uh, Madai,、uh, which is Japanese sea bream. So, that would be my favorite. Yeah, it's my favorite because the flavor is really great just for sashimi, but also for yakizakana, that's a great、uh, fish as well. And then another reason is, you know, like a madai is used for a lot of celebrations in Japan. So it's kind of like a significant、uh, cultural fish as well. And then, like, another thing that I love about madai is the, the broth that comes out, out of the bone and the head.、Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I make this special ramen called Madai Ramen、uh, here in New York as well. So, there's no part that、uh, is not good about Madai. So, I would pick Madai. Okay. Yes. It's like you mentioned, it's a cele- celebratory fish.、Mm-hmm. The yeah. Kind of play, play on words in Japanese, like medetai means medetai,、like, uh, yeah, auspicious or happy occasion, which is similar to the、right. name of the, the word, the, the name of the、yeah. fish. And there's no so many cult, like,、uh, countries that use fish for celebration. So I kind of、uh, like that idea that Japan really associates fish with the cultures.、Mm. Mm. Yes, I love that too. Um, so, you are originally from Utsunomiya, I, I believe, and now you are based in New York. So,、mm-hmm. what led you to New York? So,、uh, long story short, I went to a、uh, school in Oregon,、uh, West Coast, and then I came back to Japan, but I had a、uh, dream of opening my own uh, restaurant. Uh, and then I just had an opportunity to move to、uh, Boston for my family reason. And I started working for a Japanese fish wholesale company based in、uh, Boston Fish Beer. And then learning so much about fish,、uh, sushi, et cetera. And then started thinking about my own concept of a business. And then I just thought that the New York was going to be the great city to test out the concept、uh, that I had in my mind,、uh, which was Yuji Ramen. Great. And, and Yuji Ramen is a ramen shop that uses、mm-hmm. fish. 
right? Yeah. Which yeah. is which is very unique um, mm-hmm. and pretty. Uh, maybe one of the first uh, ramen shops in in America to to do that. Yes, I didn't really uh, grow up eating ramen, but just like working at the fish company, looking at the pile of fish bones every day. And then I was kept thinking what else can be done with the bones. And then I, it was about 19, I don't know, 2010. And then that's the time when the Ipuro came to America and then the ramen started becoming like a trend. Mm. Then I thought about the ramen, uh, ramen, if there is anything new that can be uh, bone. As the, there are so many things that were already done for sushi industry with the previous you know, uh, legendary chefs and stuff. So I just kind of like started focusing on ramen just because I thought that there will be new opportunity for me to join in. Yes, there was that huge ramen boom in America. Everyone was obsessed with ramen. But I heard in in another interview that you did that you actually do not like ramen, or at least you didn't like it when you when you were growing up. Um, yep, that's so... absolutely correct, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so my yes, parents were freaked out, yeah. <laughs> yeah so so tell me about that like so was it that because ramen was becoming so popular in america you saw it as a chance to introduce ramen in a in a in a new way using fish which you were very familiar with right so like uh, i started like uh, comparing uh the sushi and in a ramen in america mm. and uh i know i knew the fact that the sushi became so popular globally and then starting from america is because that invention of the California rule, which became a kind of gateway for a lot of the customers that were afraid of seaweed and also the raw fish. Mm. And then uh, that's why there are a lot of high-end sushi restaurants now because people kind of started from the beginning part and then try something new, new, new. And then you know, sushi has never been so authentic in America, long ever. At the, on the other hand, uh, the ramen came straight from Japan as it was, like tonkotsu ramen and shoyu ramen without not too much twist, I realized. And then in America, I just realized that there are so many people that don't eat pork, and as well as a lot of people have a difficult time eating hot noodles in a hot broth. I just thought that there has to be some kind of California version, a California sushi version of ramen, and I just uh, started uh, focusing on fish broth ramen as well as brothless ramen mazemen. Wow. So it was your your innovation there. Yeah. Like a mazemen abrasoba like was already existing in Japan, but it was not brought to America uh, when I started using ramen. So I really wanted to be the first one to start uh, brothless ramen. That's so interesting about the um, difficult challenges of, of eating uh, hot noodle broth. Uh, I never really mm. thought about that, but I think... Yeah, no, that, no for you. But. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in Japanese Japanese culture, it's like you, you eat hot things um, without much problem. I think there's that culture, you just slurp it yeah, up really yeah. quick. Like a, you know, slurping with a sound is not culturally acceptable here too. So it makes it even harder to eat hot noodle in a hot broth. Interesting. Um, so you, you've touched on this a little bit, but since you started your career in America, how mm-hmm. have you seen the image of fish change? Um, image of fish, I think like people don't look like because sushi and the fish are different thing in my opinion. Hmm. Like uh, when people think about fish in America, they don't really consider sushi as a part of a fish. I mean, like uh, like with a fish. 
So like I, you know, I run a, a fish market as well. And then I try to sell fish to cook it at home, but people are not buying at all because that is not something that people feel comfortable cooking at home, uh, in my opinion, after trying this so many years. And then I switched my uh, fish store concept, more sushi related seafood. Mm. And then people started buying like crazy. Mm. So I kind of see that uh, fish is not like people still don't know a lot about fish here, mm. but they love sushi. Huh. So, yeah, I don't know if that I'm, I'm making any sense, but oh, uh, yeah, it's like a different thing. Yeah, mm, like a different category. Mm-hmm. It's its own category, but fish is like something else. So mm-hmm. I don't see much changes over Americans' perspective change on fish, but I do see more on sushi. Yeah, completely. Mm. I guess thinking about people's relationship with sushi when they um receive it it's so like already beautifully presented and easy to mm-hmm. eat and you don't really think maybe it's similar to idea of like chicken nuggets you don't think of it coming yeah, from you're, chicken. You're like, a, like a people here don't know what the hamachi look like how much like a, people don't know what fish look like still they know what the maguro nigiri looks like they know what the california roll looks like but they don't really know what the original shape of the fishes <laughs> which is kind of sad so that's kind of what i'm always trying to like do with my classes and like you know like websites and all that i like mm. trying to educate people at the same time like yeah you know sushi is like a crowd pleaser definitely and i think that's a great entrance for fish mm. and your your restaurant okonomi that serves mm. a japanese style breakfast that's centered around fish so i'm sure right. that's also been a, a, a amazing educational resource and you know experience for people um right. like a touch point of seeing mm-hmm. yakizakana grilled fish right 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 right. seeing it on their plate in front of them mm-hmm. almost like yeah just straight from the straight from the ocean almost right 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 mm-hmm. so yeah it was very really interesting yeah because uh, i try to introduce more american seaf- american fish mm-hmm. but when it comes to american fish uh it has to be cooked Mm-hmm. It's not always as good as it, sh- it, uh, it has to be for sushi. Like when uh, people uh, think about Japanese food here, people still think about sushi. And I wanted to do something else with a fish. And then I cannot do sushi with local fish because of the quality. Mm-hmm. Then I just thought about yakizakana. Mm-hmm. And then combining yakizakana together with Ichijo Sansai and a Japanese breakfast, I thought it would be a great introduction of Japanese cuisine that the people here haven't been exposed to as much. Mm. That type of Japanese style breakfast is so different from maybe a typical Western breakfast, which yeah. tend to be more sweet. So, sweet and butter and fat, yes. <laughs> mm, yeah, I'm curious, what has been the reception of, of this type of breakfast? I never expected Okonomi will be this well-received in this country. Mm. Like, uh, the, I just, the idea with Japanese breakfast with a fish people just freaked out and then it's been <laughs> almost 10 years and the people still come for it. Mm. I'm very thankful that just, we have no menu, just fish options and then people come and get the same breakfast. I was very happy that I was able to find something that no one has done in, in America. And mm. also that people enjoy. Yeah. It just leaves you feeling good after you eat it. Unlike mm. maybe a, a bowl of, 
a cereal, super sweet cereal or something that leaves you crashing later in the morning. Um, mm-hmm. So something very nourishing and appealing in a holistic way about Japanese breakfast, yeah, especially yeah. the type that's served at, at, at your restaurants. We're, we're based in Kyoto. And so we've had the chance to eat at Lorimer Kyoto, which is mm-hmm. uh, one of your uh, several restaurants that you, you've started. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So for anyone visiting Japan and visiting Kyoto, I highly recommend visiting Lorimer Kyoto to experience this um, mm-hmm. really beautiful breakfast. It's a great way to start your day in Kyoto. This podcast is brought to you by Bento & Co. Based in beautiful Kyoto, Japan, Bento & Co. has been helping people around the world eat healthier, reduce their environmental impact, and save money with authentic Japanese bento boxes since 2008. Discover bento boxes, cookware, food, and more at en.bentoandco.com or click the link in our show notes and use code PODCAST for 10% off your first order. Speaking of your many businesses, <laughs> you have uh, some licensing partners in Thailand as well. Mm-hmm. Okonomi uh, license, like a partners in Thailand. Yeah, La Roma Co is the same thing right now. And then the Tokyo is at my ramen shop, usually I'm in Tokyo. Mm. And you have partners uh, involved in, in running those like on the ground, yes. but uh, yes. I'm sure you're still um, involved in that. So with all this... Uh, different establishments that you're in charge of. I'm curious, you know, what do you do to recharge um, and relax so you don't burn out? Mm, that's a very important thing. Like I, uh, I started when I was 30 and then uh, my 30s, like I run like crazy. And then uh, it hasn't really come to the point where I was almost like burned out and everything had to get shut down. So What's really important is to like work with our uh, right uh, partners and then trying to designate uh, responsibilities as clearly as possible and then uh, create just enough time for uh, myself and my family and then trying to visit uh, places that like I always travel with my family in my thirties, but it was always related with my like a job. <laughs> I went to Japan with my family, but I was you know like running restaurants and like I always involved my family with my t- traveling. So mm-hmm. I tried to do it completely without the job. <laughs> That's kind of like uh, what I'm uh, trying to. I'm working on like uh, trying to make more time uh, without any work <laughs> related yeah activities. Mm-hmm. With your family and dog too, maybe yeah. I hear. <laughs> dog, I have to leave them somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What What type of dog do you have? I have a little pug and I have a mixed dog. Oh, okay. Name, yeah, Koyuki. Oh. Yeah. Clover. <laughs> yeah. Like all my hobbies turn into jobs, so I don't have mm-hmm. a lot of hobbies anymore. So mm. it's tough to relax, but yeah. It's more spending time with families. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dividing things up so there's more of a clear line between work and, and your private life, it sounds like. Right, right, right. right, mm-hmm. right. Which is really hard, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep, I'm, I'm sure. You have talked about the philosophy of motainai and how that's guided you in your work. Mm-hmm. Can mm-hmm. you share a bit about that? Yeah, so motainai, I 
I'm kind of like an advocate of that philosophy. Uh, it's very important thing because uh, uh, my career will looking at the uh, uh, working at the fish company and then uh, looking at the pile of the uh, fish bone every day was something that was a very big impact on my uh, career because mm. the busier we got selling tuna, the more bonds you get, and we pay money to discard them. Oh, so okay. it's like, yeah, and then those costs are passed in onto the customers. And then I became passionate about it, not on, not because I'm passionate about the Motenai. Like I became passionate about promoting Motenai. It is because no one's doing it. Mm. I feel very passionate if I find something that no one's doing, but I can do it. Mm. And then people appreciate I get really passionate about just like how I started my ramen business just because no one was doing masamen and seafood ramen. Mm. So it's more of my personality of being so passionate about finding and doing something that nobody, no, no one has ever done as much. Mm. And then that is actually meaningful. Yeah. So, uh, like people talk talk about the sustainability a lot here mm-hmm. in America, but which is a very important uh, thing for conservation and everything. But still, people are not like the motane needs to be discussed before conservation of the fish, because uh, over here people talk about oh this fish is green, this fish is yellow, this fish is red. There people come up with like a chart, right? Like oh you can Oh, this fish you have a lot, so you can catch mm. this fish, right? But still, you're throwing away half of it, no matter what the fish is. Because <laughs> mm. I'm actually starting Kickstarter this weekend about fish bone broth revolution, uh, about the fish bone recycling concept. So, uh, you know, half of the fish weight goes in the waste because it's bones and head. Mm. And if you try to make more meals out of it, such as a bone broth ramen or whatever, like a soup dishes, you catch less fish, whatever it is, whether people argue it's sustainable or not sustainable. Mm-hmm. I just want to be the one that talks about it because there are just too many people talking about what is sustainable, what is not sustainable, which is too much of a debate, I guess. Yeah, like... It's also politics involved too with some organizations. So I just wanted to be more uh, consistent about my message. Try to use everything. You catch less. Yeah. Really like concretely seeing what you can do to use something to the fullest potential and produce the least amount of waste as possible. Yeah. Wow. So I, I'm not, you know, familiar really how uh, waste uh, with, restaurant industry works but i was interested to hear that like previously you had to pay to uh, dispose of of these fish uh, bones and such yeah is that, like no, is that no, common yeah. with like all restaurants just like food wastes you have for to rest- pay like a restaurant like a, we pay uh you know you hire like a like a trash company to uh take out the trash and stuff uh which is common just like as a regular household but like a fish processing companies, fish bone is not a regular waste. 
like a trash. Mm. Like mm. more considered uh, industrial waste or something. And then,、oh. yeah, you have to have a special company to pick it up. Yeah. I see. And now、right. you are focusing on making fish broth?、Uh, it's called Fish Bone Revolution on Kickstarter. This is actually my third Kickstarter campaign that I've run. And then、uh, it's all about raising awareness of how much fish bone is going to waste and also what else people can do with it. Interesting.、Um, yeah, we look forward to seeing the details once that's published.、Uh, we can share in the show notes、yeah. about that too.、Mm-hmm. Yes,、uh, yeah, all kinds of broths are popular. I, I'm not sure how, what it's like. I don't think it's that, com- that popular in Japan. You know, we just have dashi. No, yeah,、um, but like、so、in America,、yeah. like bone broth,、um, yes, all yes. this yeah, is very yeah, popular. Yeah, yeah. So. Right. So, like a peop- the, the fish bone, like、uh, in Japan, people don't actually make bone broth. Mm. Uh, the, like a、uh, dashi is not a fish bone broth at all. So, people,、mm. there's no such word for bone broth in Japan, actually.、Mm. Yeah, in French cuisine, there is a term for fish bone broth. Uh-huh. Uh, I forgot to do pochon or something. Like,、mm-hmm. that's like bone broth.、Mm-hmm. But even in Japan, like dashi is just, it's kind of like a tea. You know, you just have a dry things and you just dilute it in a water.、Mm. There's not so much gelatin or anything. Yeah. Mm, so, mm. for us, you actually get more collagens and, like, more, nu- in my opinion, it's more nutritious.、Mm-hmm. And then, uh, uh, like, I did this huge ramen in Japan too. And then people were, were very、uh, surprised on tunakotsu ramen. Like, I make a tuna- tonkotsu style ramen with only tuna bones.、Mm. And then,、uh, there's not a lot of ramen shops that are doing it too. So, Uh, it's very interesting how、uh, fish bone、uh, broth is motenai, but also not available in Japan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I would love to try that tunakotsu ramen someday. Yeah, the fish bone, fish bone broth. That sounds so interesting. Yeah, so, like I feel good because you know, we don't put any MSG or nothing. It's so nutritious vegetables and fish bones. And then、uh, I feel very good about serving. You know, like in, in Japan, people say don't. Finish your ramen broth because it's too fatty or salty or whatever, right? Yeah. But if you're in a ramen business, that's kind of the everything you have to put your all effort into, and people don't finish it.、Uh, mm. To me, that's kind of like <laughs> another motenai. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and fish being healthier than pork, that's、yeah. also leaves you feeling good too. So, to wrap up our time together, we ask this question to all of our guests. Um, because we are proponents of bento culture as we sell bento boxes all over the world. So,、mm-hmm. we wanted to ask you, Yuji, what is your dream bento? This can be a bento that you've had in the past or a bento you'd like to make in the future someday. Dream bento, yeah.、Mm. So, I do like a Ichiju Sansai bento box. Uh, now at my restaurant in、uh, Brooklyn.、Uh, it's called the Okonomi Market. Uh, so, uh, which is pretty much like putting all the Ichiju Sansai together into a box of、uh, bento. And then、uh, the dream bento. I would really like to do more himono bento.、Mm. Like,、uh, I love making himono. Uh, which is dried, cured, like aged fish.、Mm. But uh, uh, people d- here don't like the concept of eating、uh, fish off the bones. 
hmm. as much. Yeah. Hmm. So uh, if I could, yeah, I'd like to do more uh, like a himono uh, metal box. Yeah, I think that would be uh, super cool. Mm, mm, mm. Make that more of a popular choice in America. Yeah, because like uh, there are a lot of uh, fish that are super good here in America mm. too. That mm -hmm. yeah, sometimes you know uh, they are not always great, but it can be great if you can turn into himono and it can uh, process it in a little bit different way. And once maybe um, more people are used to. Uh, eating fish off of the bone and get more familiar with that they can they can really enjoy all that all there is with that it's all about the chopstick skills i think too <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well thank you so much yuji is there anything you would like to share with our listeners before we sign off the concept of like a japanese uh, like teishoku for uh breakfast is something that that people from outside of Japan really uh, appreciate. So I hope that uh, there will be more restaurants, yeah, in, even in Japan that kind of focus on more uh, like a breakfast as like a restaurant rather than like uh, Yoshinoya take a, Yoshinoya breakfast, like more with the uh, hospitality things, yeah. Mm -hmm. Great. And for anyone living in New York, be sure to check out Yuji's restaurants, um, mm -hmm. Tokyo, Thailand, Kyoto. Uh, we'll put all the links to, to your different restaurants. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You can That'd check it out. Great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll send you a link on Kickstarters later. Okay. <laughs> Once it's this weekend. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. That's another thing we could talk about too, is how you created these restaurants from scratch, you know, fundraising. And um, it's really inspiring to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was told that I was the first Japanese that started kickstarting in America. Yeah. No ways. Wow. NHK reached out to me 10 years ago, say, oh, you're actually the first one that actually launched Kickstarter and succeeded. I was, oh, really? <laughs> wow. That's exciting. Yeah. It's a testament to what you're doing and the power of the community that you've built in yeah, New York. Yeah, yeah. It's really important to get the support from the customers. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much, Yuji. Thank you so much for yeah, thinking about me. Appreciate it. All right, so that was our conversation with Yuji Haraguchi. Uh, Thomas, you weren't able to participate this time in the interview, so I would love to hear what you thought, any reactions you had um, after listening to Yuji. Mm, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Julian, for for this interview. Yeah, it was really, really interesting. And um, always, you know, having a chef uh, talking about food is usually usually very, very uh, interesting, and it it just makes me very ang angry. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, talking with about fish, um, several comments. Like, I mean, it's 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 so interesting also like to see how Japanese cuisine uh, this influence. That as um, like worldwide, mm. and 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 I think like the the best ambassadors for this like Japanese chef, uh, people you know born here, raised here, and and they and the, they have this passion to like you know to um, to bring the Japanese cuisine and some part of this culture like uh, in in different countries, mm. and and because in, they are in different countries, they they adapt and and they they learn new techniques and maybe find new taste and new flavor and they they 
they also like mix that with their own cuisine mm. and this is also coming back to japan mm. um and yeah but it's super interesting to 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 know uh about that directly from these ambassadors mm -hmm. yeah yuji is he's the fish ambassador <laughs> yeah Yeah, I thought it was interesting about mazemen. That's the like brothless ramen that he introduced. And mm. part of the decision to uh, introduce mazemen is because there isn't as much familiarity with eating the hot broth in, mm. or drinking um, like very hot soupy noodles. Um, and that made me think, I, I, I remember there was some um, studies that uh, there are higher rates of cancer of the esophagus in Japan, um, mm. likely due to that culture of eating very hot food and drink. Yes. I think you and I have talked about this before, yes. but um, mm. it's just so part of the culture. You, you have this steaming hot bowl of ramen that you slurp up and it's so delicious, but in excess, it's actually not good for you physically. Yes, yes. Um, I've actually recently... Um, watch a video youtube video about that oh okay <laughs> yeah and and it reminds me also like this um this, this french french man chef in paris doing a ramen called Koda, kodawari mm. and i think he's using the only like fish broth as well mm. um so yeah talking about fish it reminds me of, about that as well mm -hmm. which is not super common in japan right a fish-based Ramen, yeah, I, well, I'm not sure. Ramen, yeah, yes. it's yeah, probably pork is the main one, right? Pork, shoyumi, so mm. uh, talk a lot about it, but fish, not not that much. Mm. However, like lately in 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 Japan, um, like the more like light, healthy ramen broth, so like using fish and and especially poultry, tori is uh, is becoming more and more popular. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that probably allows ramen to appeal to a wider range of people too. Mm, sure. Yeah, I would love to try the tsunakotsu ramen, and I love that. Yeah. Oh yes, cute, it's a creative name. <laughs> the way they name it. <laughs> yeah, it is. But it, it, I, just the name, it sounds like it would be really good for you with all the omega three fatty mm. acids. <laughs> you can yes. you can argue that it's a uh, health food. Oh yes. <laughs> So for you personally, Thomas, yes. what are some of your favorite fish and how do you like to prepare fish usually? Mm, I would say like just this morning, uh, I was watching this uh, on NHK, they talk about Kochi, Kochi Prefecture and, uh, and, and they're like uh, Katsuo. Katsuo is, uh, is a bonito, bonito is the... Mm is a yeah, very popular fish and it seems it's uh, it's the season now mm -hmm. so uh, they show a lot of katsuo of course tataki mm -hmm. uh, lightly grilled uh, just to let, let make uh, the, the fat burn mm -hmm. on, on the surface of the fish and you know eat it eat the bonito almost raw mm -hmm. with with apparently it says it's better to use only on his salt. Mm. It, I just like talking about that. I, my, my, my mouth is like... Yeah, my mouth is watering watery. too. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's like talking about tataki, salt, and fish. And make it, yeah. So yeah, that's really... If I'm thinking about fish right now, that's what I want to eat mm. right away. Mm. Yeah, tataki is nice because you kind of have that uh, like roasted charcoaly flavor a little bit. Yes. And then that 
uh, mild sashimi raw inside. Mm. And it's good also with like citrus too. Mm. Oh, yes. And it's not something you can usually easily do at home. Mm -hmm. So mm, sadly, yeah, you have to, I mean, well, have a chef doing it for mm. you. <laughs> or a supermarket version too, which can yeah. be decent. <laughs> Mm, yeah. <laughs> okay, I haven't. I don't think I haven't tried. It, oh, but, yeah. Mm. How about you? I love saikyo yaki, and that's mm. a Kyoto specific or Kyoto uh, origin originated uh, style of uh, cooking fish. So that's mm. marinating fish, usually gindara, which is called black cod in English. Uh, mm. Actually, not a co cod, but it looks like cod. Um, okay. It's also called butterfish, I think. Um, mm. But you marinate that in a mixture of saikyo miso, which is a type of white miso from Kyoto that's very mild, yeah. and then meeting and sake. And then you marinate it for two to three days in that okay. mixture and then grill it. And then it um, becomes this really uh savory um slightly sweet you have the umami um and it's just a very elegant but easy to make dish mm. um and i'm sure you can also make it with other types of miso but the um, the saikyo miso the white white miso that's the the classic way to do it and i i learned that um this style of uh preparing the fish originated in kyoto as a way to preserve okay. the fish for longer mm. um because you know um, it could it could take a bit of uh, time to get the fresh fish yes. and to be able to. Um, it was important to preserve it. Mm. So yeah, oshizushi, sabazushi, all these type of mm, other pres like preservation methods. Preservation, right in Kyoto. And, yeah, uh, sabazushi is great. Yeah, I mean, if you if you come to Kyoto, I always recommend. Like, I mean, here we don't have a sea, right? A seaside. It's in Kyoto, like so. In Kyoto City, yeah. If you go yeah, north, you yeah. can you can get. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like sashimi, sushi are not something. Usually eat in Kyoto City, so mm -hmm. uh, but like sabazushi, oshizushi are like something from here, and sabazushi are great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and there's a few restaurants, like a very old restaurant for Medojidai here in Kyoto that people have to try. Mm. The one I have in mind is uh, Izuju, just in front of Yasaka uh, Jinja uh, okay. on, on Gion. Mm. Oh. I think it's like two hundred years old oh, restaurant. Wow. Izuju. Uh, and does it specialize in sabazushi or all it's kinds sabazushi, of It's sabazushi, and uh, inari sushi. Ooh, that sounds great. Mm. <laughs> um, and depending on the season, you, you will find different type of fish as well. Uh, sanma, saba, and so on. Okay, we I think can, the sabazushi always on on the menu, but yeah, mm, we can we can include that in the show notes uh, yes. for people to check out on their visit. Great. Um, I'm really grateful that we got to talk to Yuji, <laughs> especially with his roots with Kyoto, his connections to Kyoto, yeah. his restaurant Lorimer, which I'm really excited to check out again. I've been several times before and I've always had really satisfying experience. Mm. Uh, the food is delicious. It, it's a great way to start the day in Kyoto. Um, so I'm looking forward to going again after having spoken with him. <laughs> Definitely. All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening again to the Japanese Food Podcast. We will be back with another episode, so stay tuned. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Japanese Food. This podcast is brought to you by Bento Co. and is produced by Julianne Picardle and Thomas Bertrand. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. To stay up to date with the podcast, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Japanese Food Pod.